scripture this morning is from John 6, verses 1 through 15. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is, the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover feast was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Well, I have the privilege of introducing our Bible teacher this morning, Clark Ding Kong. Um, Clark grew up in the Philippines, and uh, there was an economist, worked for the Philippine government, and uh, did a number of things with them. And while that was happening, Janet Funcion came to Cole in 1984 to be trained for Bible ministry. And then we sent her back to the Philippines to do ministry there. So while he's an economist, she's doing ministry, eventually they met and fell in love and God called Clark into full-time ministry. And so they began in 2002 a church called Lord of the Harvest Community Church, which has become a sister church of Cole. We've sent several teams over, we've supported them financially, we've helped them out. And it's a ministry that reaches out to the urban poor in Manila Philippines, which is one of the largest and poorest cities in the world. And they have a wonderful outreach ministry there, and uh, Clark just has a heart for God, and we're delighted to have him come teach the Word to us this morning. So would you come teach us, Clark? Thank you so much for uh, giving me this opportunity to share with you God's Word this morning, and I consider it a great honor and privilege to share with you God's Word. As human beings, we hunger for so many things in life, the most basic of which is food. But we also hunger for a lot of things, love, affection, success, relationships, and all these expressions of hunger of the human flesh are expressed in many and different ways every day of our lives. And we witness that, we experience that. And you know, we see this every day. And there are, we try to feed ourselves with different kinds of food to feed the hunger of the human soul. Some 
go into, you know, all of kinds of these addictions. Some goes into hobbies or some kind of activity just to fill some hunger that is in the human soul. Well, there are two ways of feeding the hunger of the human soul. It's either we feed it with the things of this world. We feed it with material things, with relationships, and sometimes we get into wrong relationships. We get into some kind of an activity that would consume our hours. Some go into computer games, you know, and some even get involved in things that are not really good for them and are destructive. And so you could feed your hunger with the things of this world. But there's another way of feeding our hunger that is truly going to satisfy us, and that is to feed, feed ourselves with the food that truly satisfies. The truth is, Jesus reaches out to those who are spiritually hungry. He is the bread of life. He knows everything that we need. And He would like to meet every need that we have and every desire that we have. He wants to meet that. But He also wants us to grow in faith. That we are to trust Him for every need and every human desire that we have in life. God wants us to experience His power in daily living. He wants us to experience His glory. He's a glorious God. And He wants us to experience His glory daily as we walk with Him in faith. And in the story that was read to us earlier, Jesus exercises His authority as the Messiah. He performs a miracle and demonstrates to the people and to us today that He is the only one who satisfies our deepest needs. We find the setting in this story, Jesus crossing over the sea or lake of Galilee, and a lot of people were following him for a long time, trying to keep up with him. And they were following him because they were beholding the ministry and miracles of Jesus. In the previous chapter, you would find Jesus healing an invalid person in the pool of Bethesda. And people were so amazed that he worked signs and wonders and demonstrations of his godship, of his deity. And so they were following him and looking for what the next miracle that's going to happen. And that's why the large crowds follow him. And Jesus was tired, he was weary, facing the crowds day after day and sought refuge at the lake on top of the mountain. And he needed, and he needed time to be with God the Father and with his disciples. But it was Passover season, a time when thousands of pilgrims flooded Jerusalem and the surrounding suburbs. And the picture that we see here is that of Jesus sitting on the mountainside, resting, and there he saw a great crowd of people, literally thousands, streaming across the field, coming toward him. Thousands. You know, if I were in the place of Jesus, I would get scared. Why are these people coming after me, thousands of them? What's wrong with me? But Jesus uses the occasion to demonstrate two important concerns. Two important concerns that he wants to impart to his disciples. Two important messages. And the first is, he wants to demonstrate the concern, his concern of meeting our human needs. And second, he used the occasion to demonstrate his concern that we need to be strong in our faith and we need to grow in our faith. Jesus wants to meet our needs. Even the most minute need of having a meal, having a lunch, 
He wants to meet that. And sometimes we just, you know, neglect it or take it for granted. God is concerned even with the most minor need that we have, even for a lunch, for a meal. And the multitude had been following Jesus for days, and they had like a nine-mile journey because the Lake of Galilee was huge. And, you know, Jesus was crossing that lake, and it took them a long time to travel with him. So they were not only hungry and apparently without food, they were also in a mountainous country, an area without any possibility of having to buy food. So they're right there in the middle of that place, and people were so desperate to find and keep up with him, and they forgot just about eating. Jesus saw the need and used the occasion to show his concern that he is there to meet every need. And so he asked Philip, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And that shows Jesus' concern for meeting even our most basic need, which is food. And not only that, Jesus uses the occasion to strengthen the faith of those who follow him. He knew what he was going to do, but he used the occasion to test and strengthen the faith of the disciples, teaching them a tremendous lesson on faith. Like us and the disciples, we have many needs, varied, sometimes unique, and diverse. But there is one great need that I believe is the same as the disciples, and that is the need to grow in faith. We all believers need to grow in faith. We may have different needs, but all of us as believers in the Lord, we all need to grow in faith and trust God for everything, even for the things that are bigger than ourselves. And sometimes we lose track of that relationship we have with God, that He is concerned with every need, that we lose track that he, we are a child of God and we need to trust Him for everything, for our tomorrows. The world is in crisis. We are experiencing back home also the impact of the economic crisis, what's happening in America. And people seem to lose hope and trying to find an answer to life's basic questions. And, that is, and that's the time when we as believers would come out and step of faith and believe God is there for us no matter what. This is not surprising to God. The Bible tells us that everything will get worse before Jesus Christ comes. So what's happening is written in the Word of God. Wars and rumors of wars, economic disasters, natural disasters, they will get worse. So the important thing here now is to exercise a faith that is strong. And God is building the faith of the church and of His people. So that through the life of these people and to the church, they will give glory to God. And they will shine out to the world, shine out for Jesus. Now look, look at the two disciples here, Philip and Andrew. And try to see the kind of faith they had. Both disciples were tested for their faith. Did they fail the test? Or did they pass the test? Let's see. What was Philip's response? Philip's response was, when Jesus asked him in verse 6, or in verse 5, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And it says there, he asked this only to test him, to measure, to measure his faith, to what extent he will trust Jesus. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. 
It was just a question to probe Philip's faith. It was to test him, to measure his faith. Jesus knew Philip could not come up with an answer. It was rhetorical. Jesus didn't expect Philip to know what to do. He knew what he was going to do. Philip replied and said, Eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Eight months' wages would not be enough to feed the 5,000. So you know what Philip is doing? He's making a mental arithmetic you know, calculation. And he says, wow, this, these guys here are hungry. They could eat a horse. Let me see. If you go to a eat-all-you-can buffet, how much are you going to spend? Philip is thinking, mm, maybe if you want to satisfy these people, you've got to budget $10 each per head. Now, there's 5000 That's 50000 Hmm, Philip, that's a big amount of money. Even today, 50,000 U.S. dollars. So Philip was just trying to measure what it takes to feed these people. He responded that even a substantial amount of money would not be enough to feed the crowd. So what did, get, what did Philip get as a grade for the test of faith? He got an F. <laughs> he got an F not for fabulous but for failure, he got an F grade in his test of faith. All he saw was the problem, not the problem solver. Right beside Philip was Jesus who performed miracles. And he was beside Jesus when Jesus performed those miracles in the previous chapter. And now he could not look at Jesus as the ultimate problem solver. All he saw was the problem and not the problem solver who could bring the answer to the problem. So he failed the test. Philip's faith was a pessimistic faith. All he saw was the lack of money and the size of the problem. He saw the situation as hopeless, an impossible situation. He didn't even think of possible solutions to the problem. Philip had a pessimistic faith. What is a pessimistic faith? A pessimistic faith does not see the power of God. It professes belief that Jesus has the power to meet the needs of man. But when the problem arises, the immediate response of a pessimistic faith is to see the problem, not the power of God that could solve the problem. It does not see the opportunity for the power of God to be demonstrated in conquering the problem and to bring a strong testimony to His name. And in times of crisis, the power of God seems forgotten. Jesus was teaching Philip that financial resources are not the most important ones. That is not the most important problem. You don't have money. You have problems with your finances. That's not the most important thing to God. The more important thing to Him is our faith. Money is not the issue. Because if you have faith, God will provide for every need as He has promised in His Word, and He will not fail us. So what was Philip was looking at, the problem is money. But Jesus was testing him. That's not the problem. The problem is you need to grow in faith. And you need to trust me for every detail of your life, 
for every need that you have because I'm bigger than that problem. And sometimes we are overwhelmed by the problem that we are confronted with. We seem overwhelmed. But God is bigger than our problem. Those problems are small time compared to what the power of God is available to us. What is important is to trust God in our difficult and challenging situation and that He will see us through. Sometimes we try to estimate things and the circumstances around us and that our estimation of things and we say, hmm, that is not possible. And you know what? That keeps us from doing the task that God wants us to do. You know, back home in our church, we have a lot of people there who come to us who are poor because we do a lot of outreach to poor people. So they don't really have much in their lives. Uh, Some of them, at the time when we shared the gospel with them, they could not even eat a single meal in a day. They could hardly eat in a day. But when they come to go in the church and they began to grow spiritually, they learn to give whatever they have. The little that they have, they begin to share. Now, every year, we do planning for the church. And since the most of the people who come, they don't have much, but they give to the church. And their giving is growing. It's not that strong, but the giving is growing. And every year, we plan our programs and activities for the year. This is what we're going to do, and we're going to trust God for that. And we're going to do these programs to reach out to the lost, to bring hope to the hopeless, and to bring healing to the lives of the hurting. And so we line up programs and activities for the year. Always without budget. Always. And has been that way for, many, for six years now. And at the end of the year, we see our programs being done and we are able to do more than we have ever planned for and be able to reach more people for Christ and share with them God's love in their lives. Last year, there were about 200 people that came to know the Lord through the ministries of the church. All of this without budget. Every year, during the month of January, we take the whole church for one week of prayer and fasting and to trust God for His provisions and breakthroughs in our church and in our community, in our families, and in our lives. And people go to their offices, to their work. They're hungry. But they want to give glory to God and worship Him through their prayer and fasting. And they begin to experience breakthroughs in their lives. We see here Philip, pessimistic Philip, because he only saw the problem, not the power that could solve the problem. And pessimistic faith would usually thank and praise God for what he has, his health, money, and possessions, but fail to trust God for the miraculous and supernatural and for the difficult situation. In Philip's situation, it was trusting God for the multiplication of the resources and meeting a specific need. Someone once said, A test is to reveal the student to the student, not to reveal the student to the teacher. Jesus tested Philip to reveal Philip to Philip, not Philip to Jesus. In doing so, he helped Philip grow in his faith and understand who he really was and what he is there to accomplish. So that's Philip. He failed the test. What about Andrew? Andrew we find in verses 8 and 9, and he makes this response. 
Verse 8, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? The food consisted of five small barley loaves and two small fish, two little sardines. The barley, uh, the, the barley bread was the bread of the poor during that time. So you would have an idea that this boy here comes from a poor family. It's the cheapest bread that could be made or bought. And the two fish were even small. But Andrew, being resourceful, goes into the crowd and tries to find out who has his lunch. And then he finds this uh, five loaves of barley bread and two small fish, and, they, and he says, how far will they go? Andrew's faith was optimistic. But it was also a questioning faith. He was optimistic, but it was also a questioning faith. He saw Christ's concern, so he went among the crowd and searched for food. He found and gathered all the resources he could, but he questioned the ability of Jesus to multiply the meager resources. What is a questioning faith? A questioning faith looks at the need, and then he looks at the meager resources both how little and how poor the quality of the resources are, and it questions God. It questions instead of believing God to take care of the problem. And that need may be food, good health, money, deliverance, and many others. And whatever the need may be, the fundamental principle is for one to learn to trust Christ and not to question and doubt His love, His care, His wisdom, and His power to see us through. So what grade, what mark did Andrew get? Fabulous, correct, you got it. He got an F, failure in the test of faith. He was optimistic, but he was questioning. The person who stood right beside him, who already performed signs and wonders, miracles. And so, After teaching Philip and Andrew, Jesus demonstrated the kind of faith that was needed. He instructs them to sit down, the 5,000, and he multiplies the bread and the fish. And everyone had as much as they wanted. It was buffet. Eat all you can. And you know, in the Philippines, when you're so full and you really enjoyed your meal, and after the meal you say, it feels good. They were satisfied with a meal. And here's the lesson here. The kind of faith that God wants us to exercise is a positive, unswerving faith. Positive, unswerving faith. Jesus himself demonstrated this kind of faith. Jesus took what he had, gave thanks. He had only meager supply of bread and fish. But he did not stand there questioning The meagerness of what is available. The small supply and the poor quality of the fish did not matter. What mattered was he had something. And there was some provision. He took it, gave thanks, and the bread and the fish were multiplied in his hands. What God wants us to exercise is positive and swerving faith. A faith that does not question. 
that is not pessimistic, but one that believes. Of course, we have questions to God, but this is an attitude of the heart, really. Sometimes we question because we don't understand. That's fine. But if we question and we doubt God's faith, that's a questionable faith. That's a, yes, that's what Andrew had. We must believe in the power of God to supernaturally work in, dif- in difficult situations. He is the ultimate problem solver, and therefore we are to surrender all our problems, all our anxieties, all our difficulties, and all our struggles. And in verse 12, he instructs his disciples to gather the leftovers and not to waste anything. And note that there was leftover. There were leftovers. How many? Twelve baskets full. You know, I ask, what's the significance of that? What's the significance of the 12 baskets? Why not 10? One or maybe give them 100 so they'll never go hungry. You know, the 12 baskets was for each of the apostles to remind them and to instill into their minds that He is the source when the human soul hungers, that Jesus Christ is the one to go to when your human soul hungers and wants to be fed with something that truly satisfies, the answer to that is Jesus Christ. And that is what's Jesus' point here. You twelve disciples, you take this with you, that will be your supply for the next few days, but that will remind you that the answer to the hunger of the human soul is Jesus Christ. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. And that was a powerful reminder of Jesus to the disciples. And now there's another character in the story, the boy. Oh, the boy. We usually neglect the boy. You know, he had this only five loaves of bread and two small fish. That's all he had that would keep him away from hunger. That was all the thing. And if you look at the kind of food that he had, he came from a poor family. Five barely loaves and two small fish. And you know, in the Philippines, we have what we call baon. It's lunch. That was what the boy had. You bring that with you in school, when you go to school, or you go to the office because you want to save money. So you have this little baon with you. Take it out during lunch. And he was following Jesus with the multitudes, amazed with what God was doing in the lives of people. And there is Andrew. Hey, I see those bread. That fish, hmm. You know the boy's reaction? Am I going to give this to him or not? You know? You know, the boy must have struggled with his faith too. But he responded to the call of faith. He gave away what little he had in faith. And because of that, he experienced the most wonderful moment of his life. Picture this. Imagine the boy witnessing personally in his life Jesus multiplying his lunch. And every time Jesus multiplies his lunch, yes, yes, oh yes, yes Lord, yes. Hallelujah, hallelujah, praise God for that. And so his eyes wide and popping. And then he goes to his mother and tells his mother. You know what he would be saying to his mother? Mother, no lunch! What do you mean no lunch? I gave my lunch away. 
What do you mean? You gave your lunch away? I gave you that lunch so we could save money. You know we're poor. No, you don't know. It's Jesus. Who is this Jesus? Jesus. He multiplied it. He fed the 5,000. What? I believe that boy was never the same again. And that's when you begin to experience God in your life in a more real, intimate way because you have exercised faith. You took that step of faith. Get out of your comfort zone and experience the greatest moment of your life. And that's what happened to the boy. He took that step of faith. And he experienced one unforgettable moment in his life. And I believe he was never the same again. That is what God does to us. When we trust Him and give all that we have, even if it's little. The boy had so little, but he gave it all and it made all the difference. Little becomes much when you give it to the Master's hand. And that's what God does. He multiplies as you give of yourself to Him. He blesses you. God gives us abundance. He takes whatever we can offer to Him in time, ability, and resources and multiplies its effectiveness beyond our wildest expectations. The boy never expected that. But we need to take that first step in making ourselves available to God. And He will show us how greatly He can use us to advance the work of His kingdom. Now in contrast, you see the crowd. You see the crowd. They wanted to be Jesus to be king. In verses 14 to 15, And the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did. They began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. And Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again in a mountain by himself. The agenda of the crowd was just too self-centered. They wanted to make Jesus their earthly king right there and then. They know Jesus could do miracles, so they want him to just, you know, uh, meet, their de- uh, meet their needs based on all self-centered interest. And Jesus knew their heart. And that is why Jesus withdrew. What are the lessons that we learn from this story? Number one, trying to meet human needs by any other source other than Christ is doomed to fail and will not satisfy. Trying to meet human needs by any other source other than Christ is doomed to fail and will not satisfy. Philip thought that if there was enough money, he could buy all the food that he needed and he would be able to feed the crowd. It didn't work the way he thought. Andrew looked at the available resources as the only source and questioned how he could satisfy people's hunger. It failed. Jesus is the bread of life. He who comes to him shall never hunger and who believes in him shall never thirst. You know, you could give all the food to all the poor people that you know. Do all these relief operations to give them a better health, better economic way of life. 
But if Jesus, the gospel, is not part of that package, that is not enough. That will not satisfy them. In fact, you will create dependency. But if you preach the gospel and give them the true message of hope and salvation, that will satisfy their hunger. Because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The ultimate and fundamental need of man is not physical. The ultimate, fundamental, and basic need of man is spiritual. He needs to be reconciled with God. He needs to be forgiven. He needs to receive the forgiveness and love of Jesus Christ. That is the fundamental need of man. And Jesus is there saying, I am the bread of life. Come to me and I will feed you and satisfy you. And all this longing that you have and all this kind of worldly food that you feed yourself with will not satisfy you, even large amounts of it. Because it will never will. Because your basic, fundamental, ultimate need is not physical, but spiritual. Second lesson. Faith and trust are essential for God to meet our human and spiritual needs. Faith and trust are essential for God to meet our human and spiritual needs. For us to see that Christ is the bread of life, the provision for human and spiritual needs, we need to have faith and trust in Him. And the kind of faith that God wants us to exercise is one that is positive and unswerving faith. Third lesson. I only have four. <clears throat> Third lesson. You cannot lose when you give it all to Jesus. You can't. There's no way you can lose if you, if you give it all to Jesus. You say like you're giving up something. What you're giving up is nothing. It doesn't mean anything if you do it for the Lord. Look at the boy. What happened to the boy? He gave away his lunch. And little becomes much when you give it to the master's hand. Jesus took what the boy had to offer and used it to accomplish one of the most spectacular miracles ever recorded in the Gospels. And age here, we see, is not a barrier for God to work in our lives. This was just a boy. So God can use any person, whether young or old, it doesn't matter. If you give yourself to Him, He's going to use you. Powerfully. And fourth, Jesus is the bread of life who fully satisfies our deepest needs. Man seeks to feed himself with many kinds of bread to feed his hunger. Money, career, fame, fortune, prestige, possession, what have you. All of these do not satisfy. Only Jesus does. Our deepest need is not physical. It's spiritual. Last summer, uh, Call Community Church sent a short-term mission to Manila, a valuable team from uh, Call Valley High School, to uh, help us conduct a uh, valuable clinic with uh, young ladies of urban poor communities. And one of the places that we went to was called Payatas. So they got to see what poverty is really like there. Payatas is a community in Metro Manila. It's a dump site. That's where all the garbage of Metro Manila are being put. It's a landfill. Manila during the day has 17 million people. 17 million. 
So you could imagine garbage of the 17 million being dumped there every day. And what you see is a mountain of garbage. Literally a, gar- a mountain of garbage. Not just one mountain. Several mountains. And garbage. And you could smell the foul smell like miles away. And thousands of people there, thousands of families go there to make a living. What's their, way of, what's their livelihood? Their livelihood is scavenging. Scavenging. They go to that garbage mountain and they pick up whatever they can. Spoiled food, cans, soiled plastics. And they, they clean it up and they sell it, recycle it. And they subject themselves to a lot of risk in their health. Lung disease, skin infections, and everything with all the flies there moving around. And you know how much they get for a day's work out of that? They get $1 a day. They get $1 a day as income. And they use that to feed their family. So when we visited that place, there was a lady by the name of Glo. She had three children, a single mother, and that is what she did for a living to sustain her family, scavenging. And so uh, the team leader of the short-term mission, Kenny, asked her, um, what can you buy with $1 a day? And she said, I buy a half kilo of rice, which is about over a one pound of rice, and one, and one can of sardines. And that's all we have for the rest of the day. That's all we have for the rest of the day with my three kids. And you know what? Glow said that with a smile in her face. And so Kenny asked her, how could that be? How can you smile when you have only a dollar a day and that's all you eat for the day? How can you smile? How can that glow in your face be? And you know what? Glow gave a simple Yes, most profound answer we could ever hear. And she said, I have this smile in my face because Jesus is in my heart. I have this smile in my face because I have Jesus in my heart. You see, it doesn't matter what you have or you don't have, but if you have Jesus in your heart, you are satisfied. You may have all the wealth in the world and yet not be satisfied because Jesus is not in your heart. But even in poverty, you could say you're satisfied, you're happy, you have peace, you have security, because Christ lives in you. And that's the truth. When we totally surrender our lives to Him, He will give us peace, security, freedom from all the anxieties of this world, freedom from all this materialism and consumerism that we are faced with in the Western society, and which we are also influenced back home. We are liberated from that because Jesus is the bread of life. He will satisfy every hunger and He will deliver us from our thirst. I encourage you today, trust Him. Have faith in Him. Trust Him and have faith in all your needs and desires, whatever they might be. And trust Him even for things that are bigger than yourself. And give yourself to Him, whatever little you have. You give it to Him for His glory and for the advancement of His kingdom. And I believe, just like what He did to the boy and to the 5,000, great and good things will happen to do and He will do exceedingly more than you ever thought or imagined. God bless all of you.
Well, Clark, thank you so much for bringing the word. What a challenge, huh? And what a great Bible teacher. I appreciate you coming here and sharing with us. I didn't mention that we asked Clark and Janet to come and their son Kyle to come for six weeks, partly to get some rest because they've been very stressed, but also to to give them an opportunity to raise up some more supporters, both prayer and financial supporters. They're, they need some help financially. So um, I'd encourage you to pray about that. If you would like to support the sister church and the ministry going on there in urban Manila through Lord of the Harvest Community Church, that you would pray about that. And are there prayer cards in the back somewhere? Do you know offhand? Um, you can contact the church office. We'll try to get some for second service. But I would really encourage you to uh, consider that and pray about that. John 6, the chapter that Clark taught from, verse 35, and he referred to this a number of times. Let me just read it. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who, thirst, he who believes in me will never thirst. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you really are the answer to our hunger the hunger of our souls, the thirst that we have. And we confess, Lord, that our faith too often is a pessimistic faith or a questioning faith, a faith that doesn't trust you but looks for other ways to get the needs of our soul met. But, Lord, we don't want to live that way. We want to be like not Philip and Andrew but like the little boy who came and brought everything to you because he learned to trust you. Lord, help us be people that have a faith that is strong in you, that trust you to meet the needs of our souls, that we might give our lives away to bless others as the little boy did. So, thank you for this time to be together as the people of God. May we go forth into the world this week as your people as well, people of faith. We pray in Jesus' wonderful name as our Savior and Lord. Amen. Have a great faith-filled week.